Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband, here with my friend, Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yavamot, daf Kuf Chaf, page 120. Well, we're on our final three daf from Yavamos. Our information for our CM is out. We hope you will join us soon. Um, and with that, we'll take it away with an interesting Mishnah that most of the daf is going to discuss, which is about how do we sort of identify bodies or what is it that we need to see about a body to be able to say, that somebody actually died. So one may testify that a person died only if you can see the face with the nose. In other words, other parts of the face, unless the nose is included, you may be mistaken or it may not be enough to identify who the person actually is. And although you could have sort of certain simanim or distinguishing marks on a body or personal belongings, right, which would help identify the person, um, uh, you still cannot rely on that solely for identification, right? You can only testify until the soul actually departs. So in other words, it's not enough for you to say, I saw this person, uh, you know, being beaten up and looked like he was about to die. You have to, you know, you actually have to have seen or confirmed that the person actually died. Right. And even if one saw him cut open and like he was, you know, had a very big wound or crucified or wild animals eating him, you can't testify that he died. And also you cannot testify for somebody's death only when the body is seen up to three days after death, because the assumption is after three days, the body decomposes enough that it would be difficult to identify. Rav Yehuda ben Baba Omer, lo kol ha'adam b'lo kol makom b'lo kol ha'shochavim. So Rav Yehuda ben, ba- ben Baba says, you can't really make sort of these types of general rules because not every person, not every place, and not every hour is identical. In other words, decomposition or what happens to bodies really can change. And we know that. Heat can make it go faster. Uh, if you know, if somebody was in ice, they may the body may be preserved longer. How they actually die may impact the decomposition, and so therefore, Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba is saying it's actually very hard to make hard fast rules, and this makes sense because the body's dynamic and it can change some of the other circumstances. Um, the first piece of Gemara to me was the most interesting here, which really talks about how. Uh, you know, it quotes a brisa here that if somebody saw the forehead, uh, you know, the patachat, the low panim, but not the actual face, one cannot actually testify. And then they tell this very interesting story. Abba Barmata to who Abba Barminumi. Abba Barmata was also known as Abba Barminui. Havi Maskibe Deve Resha Galuta Zuze. He had loaned money, he had been loaned money by members of the Resh Galuta. And he basically didn't want to be seen by them to have to pay them back. I take Kirei. So what did he do? He bought wax, right? Dabek Rivlita. And he stuck it to a strip of worn out fabric. Dabek Bakpute. And he stuck it on his forehead. Another, he basically made like a prosthetic the way we see in more in movies. Chalaf Kamru Velo Bashukre. And he passed before them and they did not recognize him. So the point is, is that a face can really change if you alter the forehead. So a forehead is, is, I think what it's basically saying is we can't always tell things by a forehead. Somebody could change the forehead. A forehead can change afterwards. Um, but I love this idea of the story that somebody, 
you know, the idea that somebody, an ancient way of altering your appearance uh, in order to escape somebody. Um, I just thought this was a, a, you know, very, very funny story within the doc itself. So the other thing that I'm reminded of also from pop culture is this line, which I imagine is really taught, right? In you can clarify your Dana, um, that you can't assess that somebody is dead until they're warm and dead. Because if somebody is, let's say, very inebriated and very cold, they might actually be kind of preserved until they warm up and wake up. Um, I don't know if that's true in in reality and made for a good plot line in some you know procedural kind of show. Um, the other thing that struck me here is the kind of chaos that we know that anybody might encounter in traveling, right? The idea that you can't you can't be certain eaten by wild animals that they're not yet fully dead in other ways. You can't be sure. Meaning, I don't know how common this was either, but it's a recognition that all kinds of things could befall a person in in going on the way, right? On in Medinatayam, traveling overseas, right? Nowadays, I think we, you know, the the most common kinds of complaints are about you know, standing online for TSA type of issues, right? I'm not saying that nothing ever untoward happens in travel. Of course it does, but but not in this way. We don't think of simply traveling itself as being inherently dangerous, even though sometimes it turns out to have been, but but not as a, not this way. Think about it. how many people in this Gemara, in this Masachet have, you know, how many husbands have died in Medinatayam? Uh, you know, and again, I'm not saying that was, either a common occurrence, but the phenomenon of how many different ways that you've just listed, Yordina, uh, it just kind of struck me as this is dangerous travels, you know, like more so than we think of nowadays, certainly. Um, I want to go on to Ahmed Bet, where there's, uh, it, 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 this is, the Gemara is picking up on this point in the Mishnah, that uh, even if you saw him cut open, right, meaning you know that he's severely wounded, you still can't say you still can't testify, rather, that he is, in fact, dead. You could maybe testify that you saw him severely wounded, but not beyond that. So the Gemara says, are you saying that someone who's cut open is going to live like for a long time? Do you think that such a person is going to survive? So it's a, it's a really kind of eloquent phrasing of death, right? A person is not metame, does not render other things impure until his soul departs his body. Even somebody who is truly torn asunder or, you know, really on death's door, uh, we still do not say that they are dead. And again, this this eloquent phrase of uh, they do not render other things impure with tumat mate, with the impurity of the dead. So the Gemara says, um, a dead person, you know, renders other things impure when um, he, he can render, he won't render other things at this point, but that's not the say that he's actually going to live, right? There's, there's this kind of terrible line between really going to recover. We can presume that he's going to survive. Or in this case, 
okay, he's not yet rendering things impure, but you're seeing him on death's door, and isn't that sufficient? Amar Abaye, lo kasha. Abaye says it's not a contradiction, or the contradiction is not difficult. Ha, Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar. Ha, Rabbanan. It's easy enough to say we have different opinions represented in this, you know, this division of approach to this person who is kind of torn, uh, torn asunder. Detanya, mi'idin al-hamakuyad, ve'ein mi'idin al-hatsaluv. So, again, it's a little bit, it's a little bit gruesome, right? The idea that you could testify about the person who's been cut open, but you cannot testify about the person who's been crucified. Saluv is uh, someone who's been crucified, which, of course, does bring in historical reality. Crucifixion is not a common, in, in common use anymore, right? But it was back in the day. Uh, and presumably there was a greater likelihood that somebody could survive crucifixion if they were cut down than if they're, you know, cut open and their innards are spilling out. Rabbi Shimon al-Azar af al-hamagulyad ein midin mitnei sheikhol lekavot ve-lechiot. And Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar says, even if you're talking about somebody who's cut open, you cannot testify that he is dead just because you've seen him, you know, still alive and cut open. Because what if you, and this is really interesting, if you would scorch the wound, meaning cauterize it, right? This is, this is something that is medically sound, right? To stop the blood, uh, to stop the bleeding, and that could allow him to survive. It doesn't necessarily mean he will, but you certainly can't testify that the man is dead when there's still potential to save his life. And so the Gemara here goes on to talk about, um, you know, can you can we talk, can we set up this Mishnah, the Mishnah that you read, your Dana, in accord with this opinion of Rabbi Shimon Lazar, the Hakatani Seifa, we have a there's an issue to to line it up with Rabbi Shimon Lazar based on the end of the Mishnah, namely, um well, we've got a Maaseb, we have a story. Maaseb ba'asya ba'chad shilchu liyam v'lo alta biadam el raglo. So what happens? There's a story that happened in Asya. Asya, it's, again, it's not exactly clear where it is. It seems to be um, a Roman province um, on the western part of Asia Minor, meaning it's not Asia the way we think of it nowadays. Um, and they lowered a man into the sea on a rope, and when they pulled the rope back up, only his leg came up in his hands, you know, having a watery grave, right? Um, if the leg was cut from the knee and above, because that his wife could marry, meaning he's considered to be a dead man because he could not survive such a wound. From only from the knee and below, meaning they, it's, it's like an amputee, right? There's a possibility that he would set her up to go get married until there's some other proof that he's actually dead. So the question, you know, if that were the case, then why wouldn't it say, even if it were cut, if he were cut from the knee and above. Rabbi Shemar Lazar is much more generous about the possibility of a of a person recovering. Shani Maya Demarvu Maka. So the Gemara answers no. The water is different because the very fact that he's in the sea is going to aggravate the wound. And and even Rabbi Shemar Lazar, according to this position, would um, would understand that he doesn't have 
as much chance to survive or any chance to survive if the wound is above the knee. So the Gemara says, So this is a great story. Rabbi Rabbachana says, didn't the guy says, didn't Rabbi Rabbachana say that he himself saw an Arab who took a safsiras, this sword, and cut open the camel, and the camel died so quickly that it didn't even stop um, braying, right, making the sound that it makes. Velo if velo of sikte linaarute. So Abai says, well, yeah, but that camel was camel, first of all, and he was emaciated and he was weak and he died immediately. And Abai claims that a regular healthy camel would not have died so quickly that he didn't even have a chance to stop uh, braying, right? Meaning the question is, if you cut that animal open and it doesn't survive, meaning it immediately doesn't survive, then what is Rav Shimon ben Elazar going on about? in terms of the potential for survival. And Abaye comes and says, well, yes, because if you have a healthy specimen, then there's a better chance of survival. Um, it's interesting, of course, that Abaye can hereby infer that this camel was sick. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't. I, I, right? There's a parallel case on about Rabbi Barbachan. I'm just saying that the, the discussion about the camel and the inference then to pee been cut open is... Um, it's an interesting one, right? It, it relies on um, uh, it relies on a whole host of assumptions. And then lastly, Rava Amar, because again, we're having a buy here, we're going to have Rava come and answer him. Rava Amar Basakin Mlubenet Divrei Hakol. So Rava has a different answer, meaning to talk about the question of the Mishnah here and the Mishnah that discusses all of this issue of the Tuma in Ohalot, he says the Mishnah here is a case where a man was cut open with a, this is described here as a white hot knife, Mlubenet. Um, and then ev- then everybody agrees that you cannot testify to the death of a person who's wounded from a white hot knife because that wound itself, even by virtue of the knife that caused it, might actually close due to the, due to the heat of the knife, right? Which would then mean that he'll survive, he'll heal, and his wife is not a widow and should not be getting married to anybody else. Look, I think it's interesting to see how the Gemara understood the science of, you know, how people die, how wounds heal, how our bodies disfigure through death. And, you know, these are things that are really studied today and scientific papers are published on. And the Gemara is basically telling us and describing for us very vividly and in a lot of detail how they understood the world around them. Like they didn't have, this is basically tell me to forensics. I think I just found the name for our episode. Yes, perfect. And and the fact is, it's fascinating. Meaning I'm a little squeamish. I'm a lot squeamish. I don't want to be the person doing Talmudic forensics or modern day forensics, but that doesn't mean it's not fascinating, right? Even to the degree that they don't allow assumptions over death, even when you seem to see a, a fatal wound, it might not be fatal because maybe, maybe the person was saved. Like, you know, that's that's really good for any of these like cop shows, CSI, whatever, where they have to go and discover all this details. It's exactly the forensics. I think it's fascinating. 
Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Ravini Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 